Hey, boys. Tony Mast. Just uh, calling. Uh, I was listening to the latest episode of Funny Books, and you guys were talking about getting a picture taken in, like, an Oval Office. Well, um, I don't know if Wayne or Andrew might be aware of this. Uh, Andrew, I will cut a break, too, because he's a little more outside of St. Louis. But in St. Louis is a place called the Magic House. It's a, it's a, a fun, interactive uh, place for kids to go. Well, in the lower level of the Magic House, they have a recreation of the Oval Office. Just want to let you guys know, since you'll be in town for Fear the Con 6, uh, maybe a little uh, uh, a little trek to the Magic House, maybe in order to check things out. Anyway, uh, keep up the, the show. Uh, thanks for for uh, all the shows. It keeps me from spending a ass ton of money on comics that are not good. So uh, keep up the great work. See ya. Tim and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Well, good morning, fellas. Hello, sir. Yo. So, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, when you when you wake up in the morning, you wake up and it's a good morning. You've had a good restful night. And then other times, not so much. And uh, this week... You know, I, I have to say, Aaron, before you get into your story... I've got the theme to uh, Chippendales Rescue Rangers stuck in my head now, thanks to you, you bastard. What did I do? When you said sometimes, that's the beginning of the theme. Uh-huh. My mind just immediately filled in some crimes go slipping through the cracks. <laughs> so it feels like perhaps I need to eliminate the word sometimes from my usage. <laughs> At least don't say it in that way, because you, you said it kind of like the beginning of the theme. Song. Yeah, you, you can't pause after it. Yeah. You just have to, sometimes blah, 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 blah. Exactly. It was the pause. Ah, okay. Yeah, totally your fault there. Totally your fault there. I want you to know, Aaron, yeah. I really want to hear what you have to say, and I don't give a shit about Wayne's men- medical problems. <laughs> so I have I have been working on this huge project for work, and uh, I had a dream that I was going into the project audit. And uh, when I left the project audit, I was absent all of my toenails. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) Every single toenail was gone, and all that was left were like, you know, the bleedy nibs of my toes. And, uh, uh, you know, as I'm walking across the the floor, exiting the the room, I'm just leaving this this trail of of, of bloody footprints. It was uh, pretty inconsiderate to the cleaning crew. I, I would think, I would say so as well. I would say so as well. Were you like jogging in, in this meeting? No, good God, no jogging. I don't. I don't. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I'm not Andrew. <laughs> I have a feeling someone's going to leave a comment as to what your dream means. <laughs> well, I, I uh, if that's what it takes to get comments. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think I think really what we're going to get comments about Paul is you as the Easter Bunny. That wasn't part of your nightmare. 
No, that's that that would be a good dream, Paul. I was not nibbling on the uh, the toenails like a carrot or something. God, that's going to have me waking up screaming in the middle of the night now. All right, all right. To recap, <laughs> to recap, Paul, this is the story that Aaron told. I don't know if you heard this, but you got dragged to some kind of baby shower or something, and it was a couple's shower, and then you had to dress up as the Easter Bunny. I thought he was full of shit until I saw you post a picture. So <laughs> I need you to explain why you still have balls. So this is all true. Um, so my brother and his wife are having a baby um, very soon, and so they had the uh, the baby shower the day before Easter. Um, and my sister was the one who was doing all the coordination and planning at the baby shower. And um, so she calls me or texts me a month ago or so, and she's like, hey, do you think you'd mind dressing up as the Easter bunny for the baby shower? And I'm like, why? She's like, well, it's the day before Easter, and we kind of want to wrap up the Easter celebration into the baby shower as well. So uh, I, 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 I said yes, and uh, I mean, See, she's like, there's I, mistake I, she's, number one. She's like, I've already ordered the costume, so that would be great. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. She knew you well enough to know that you wouldn't have a problem doing this. Yeah, well, I mean, anyone who knows me well enough would know I would do it. I mean, it's a freaking Easter Bunny costume. Hell yeah, I'd do it. Uh, okay, <laughs> so let, let's 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 see if we can kick this up a notch of creepy. Yeah. Were there any kids present at this at this function? Yeah, so that was primarily the reason. I mean, it, it, like I said, it was a couple's baby shower, or like Aaron mentioned, it was a couple's baby shower. Um, well, not specifically couples. I mean, couples were invited, um, and like. 75% of the couples there had some type of child within the first three years of their life. Um, so yeah, there, there, there were tons of children and basically they, they put me in in front of a wall with like a little design on the wall. And, uh, I was like the Easter bunny at the mall taking pictures with everybody and their kids. Nice. I, I, I really, after it, I really was tempted to just drive around and start charging people for pictures with the Easter money. <laughs> Not creepy little, at all, Paul. Not creepy at all. Just put a little, uh, you know, just turn up my, put on some kitty music and uh, turn up my stereo really loud. And, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Not creepy at all. In your uh, big fan. And that, kids, is how <laughs> Paul Aponte wound up on the sex offender list. <laughs> Paul driving around in his big van with duct tape and pliers in the glove box. <laughs> with binoculars, with my Easter bunny mask on. Driving up to the playground. Hey, kids! <laughs> it was fun. Well, no, it wasn't fun. It was hot as balls in that costume. But I, I would do it again after I washed the costume. Would you do it again in about three weeks? (laughs) (laughs) No. What if I told you there'd be kids there? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wow, that's dark. Yeah, a little bit. bit. God damn it! I can't. We can't transition out of Paul's Easter Bunny happiness. You really can't. You really. God can't. damn. <laughs> so, if y'all remember, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I wasn't able to be on the podcast because I had a flood here at the house, and so uh, I, this has been the week of of replacing floors, and uh, it's been a little stressful. You know, people don't do things the way you expect them to do things, and uh, mm. you know. My wife took two days off this week to be with the uh, floor guys, and 
she had one conversation with uh, the the salesman over the phone because he called and said, hey, you know, I, here it is Wednesday and I know we're supposed to be there, you know, two hours ago to start the installation, but it's going to be Thursday before we get started. And, you know, <laughs> my wife says to him, you need to stop talking. <laughs> stop talking. You need to talk to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I the first thing I, I thought of is the perfect the perfect frosting on the on the cake with you working on Project Soul Crusher huh. is to try to get your your floors redone. Oh yeah, and and then the second voice in my head was was John Jonathan Landreth when he, he said my wife took a couple of days off to be with the uh, flooring guys and I said and my head said biblically, and then I knew that wasn't what you meant and nor would that have been in good taste but I said it anyways. I appreciate that Tim. I appreciate your restraint. So yeah, you know, nice guy. We had this big drama about you know how they're going to handle things and you know things worked out just fine. They did a beautiful job doing the uh, the floors in the uh, in the dining room. You know, they put in new hardwoods and whatnot. And <laughs> so yesterday, I stayed home to be with the flooring guys, biblically. Yes. And uh, <laughs> when they were done with the flooring, he wanted to reward them. <laughs> you gotta try. You gotta try the floors out. That's right. That's right. I, <laughs> brand new rug burns. Uh, if it's a new floor, it's a new room, and it has to be rechristened. So there, you know, the thing about when you're doing all your floors in your house. Your stuff has to go somewhere, right? And so, you know, th- throughout the whole planning process, I was I was telling the salesman, I said, you know, I'm a little concerned about where y'all are going to put stuff. And he says, no problem. We're just going to shuttle it room to room. All right, whatever. So the the thing that I forgot, you know, and, and I'm used to working with vendors that the guy that's selling me is the guy who's doing it. And so th- the, the sales guy was not the same as the installation guy. And so I forgot that the salesman is going to tell you whatever the fuck he needs to tell you to make the sale. And so here come the installation guys, and they're like, uh, okay, we're going to put all of this outside. And I'm like, the fuck you are? <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, we need, to, we need to put this all out on your deck. And I'm like, where the squirrels are and the birds are and, you know, the blowing, the blowing leaves. And no, you're not putting my furniture outside. You know, y'all are going to move it from room to room. And they're like, okay. And they're all shooting me the nasty looks. So they're 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 taking. I've got this gigantic leather chair, and they're walking down the hall. I'm like, where are you going with that? And he's like, we're gonna put it in the dining room where my brand new hardwoods are. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> I, I probably added three hours worth of work to their day yesterday because I wouldn't let them put things where they wanted to put things. It was very frustrating. So at the end of the day, so where did they end up putting it? Did you tell them to shove it up their ass? <laughs> no, that's my furniture. I didn't want my furniture up there. <laughs> no, they just had, they had to instead. What they wanted to do is just empty the house and pull up all the flooring and then lay flooring and bring everything back in, which I understand would be more expeditious. But what I made them do is they had to stage it in different rooms so they could do like two rooms at a time, move stuff, do the other two rooms, that kind of thing. I can just imagine them calling back, hey, we're going to need some more guys to hold up the furniture while we lay down the floor under it. <laughs> they were not real happy with me. But uh, so I, which of you guys have iPhones? Paul, iPhone? Yes, I have an iPhone. Yes. Wayne, do you have an iPhone? No, I have Android. OK, so and I know I know about Tim. Juanita won't, won't uh, let him have an iPhone because he keeps losing his phones. Right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> um. Have you ever have you ever texted been writing a text and a new text comes in and it takes 
the what you're typing and puts it on the other person's text. Have you ever had that happen? No. Okay, so what the iPhone An- do, Android doesn't do that either. Well, the, what the iPhone will do is it will f- it will bring if you're in the middle of writing a text, it will bring the uh, the uh, new text into the the dialog window, but it will take the text that you're writing and put it there. So if you're not careful, you could send the text to the wrong person. Mm. You know, and this has happened to me before, like when I'm texting my wife. And saying, "Hey, you want to let's go? Why don't we go to dinner tonight? You know, why don't, we, why don't we do dinner out tonight?" And you know, a text will come in, and I wind up sending that to one of my my employees, and I was like, "Oh, sorry, wrong place." So yesterday, I'm texting my wife, and I'm sending her a picture of the uh, of the carpet, and I'm writing, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, you are." <laughs> I'm writing, "I, I, you know, pants off." ready to have sex with you on the carpet right now <laughs> the first stain will be the stain of our love <laughs> Classy. it goes to my flooring salesman because he sends me a text <laughs> yeah <laughs> what do you say on my way yeah, I just responded with "oops." <laughs> At first, I thought you were going to say that it went to one of your employees. I was just thinking about the sexual harassment on its way. You should have. He should have just went with it. He's like, "I, right, <laughs> anything for a sale." <laughs> Maybe I can get him on the extended warranty. <laughs> That's why he should have pre-treated it. That's what he should say. You see, I've got that stain master stuff. Twenty years, man. Twenty years, any stain, they gotta pick it up, so you know rug burns, that's all I'm saying. I would have replied back, okay, but you're not good enough to get a discount. So there you go. That's my floor story this week. <laughs> What's your television story? Are you guys watching Vikings? Yeah. Uh, wait, wait, does your television story involve sexting as well? No, it does not. Oh, okay. Sorry. But are you you're watching Vikings? Oh yeah. I don't know what that is. It is a, a shocker. It is a show on the History Channel, um, and it, it you know it's just a, a dramatized you know uh, story featuring Vikings and you know traveling west and uh, raiding into Britain, and oh my god, it's fantastic. Uh, the first episode did something. It, they had me in the first ten minutes in the first episode. Um, they did something that nobody ever does when they're when they're telling stories about Vikings. Uh, they made they made their beliefs real, you know, in that, you know, when, when you're telling a, you know, a, a, a like story of, you know, early Christians and whatnot, th- their faith is very real to them. And that's generally communicated, you know, real well through the story. But when they do that with Vikings, it's just always, you know, uh, their Norse religion is kind of backdressing. It doesn't really engage. You don't get to see it on a spiritual level. But, you know, it opens up at the end of this battle. Uh, and the one of the main characters has a spiritual moment where he sees Odin walking amongst the dead and Valkyries coming down and, and taking the heroes off to Valhalla. It is freaking amazing. It is so good, and it even gets me past my prejudice against Gabriel Byrne, who's in it, and I can't stand Gabriel Byrne. But, He's but, so good in that. But he is. He is. Are you, are you digging it, Tim? I have a couple minor qualms, but uh, for like ninety percent of it, I love. So it is really very good. Uh, Loki alone is worth the price of admission for watching that show. Absolutely, absolutely. 
the and it's not it's not God Loki. It's a dude they named Loki. That's I, the story. Anyway. Yeah, he, he is. Uh, he's a great character. I'm just totally digging it. And the the main character um, reminds me so much of the main character from Sons of Anarchy. It's almost the same dude. It really is. Because in Sons of Anarchy, Jax is like the least biker in the biker gang. <laughs> and in Vikings, Ragnar is sort of the least Viking in yeah. Vikings. Yeah. I was explaining to my wife, I said, okay, the main character, that's the blonde dude. He's sort of a Viking. His buddy with the black hair, he's a real Viking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys what's <sighs> up on History Channel? They rerun the, the entire chunk frequently uh it is awfully damn good it's a good show it out. now is it uh how how far are we into the season oh uh, episode six or seven's coming out on sunday yeah i think seven's coming out sunday yeah. oh so, so i uh, i buckled speaking of television you buckled. I, when i say buckled i i did it's not a bad thing but i i finally went buckling is 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 rarely a good thing paul paul you never <laughs> go ass to mouth <laughs> <laughs> well after that I um I got like a fifty percent off deal on Game of Thrones season one on Blu-ray. Yes. Oh, it's so good. And then ten dollars off on top of that. So wow, it's good. Uh, yeah. So I I think I'm gonna give it a shot. Finally, I like Game of Thrones. That's yeah, what I hear. It, Everyone loves it. And you know, it there's Aaron. A, I say I will say it takes a little bit to get into the first couple episodes. There's so many characters and so much going on that you know it's just kind of overwhelming. But by episode three. My wife and I were hooked when we were watching them. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, you know, it, 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 everyone's loving it. And um, Aaron, I don't know if you knew this, but there was a Game of Thrones beer. I did not know this from Omegong Brewery. Um, they they have put out a, a Game of Thrones beer. Is it is it the refreshing taste of incest? Uh, it can <laughs> only be real. <laughs> it is called Iron Throne Ale. Very good. Very good. Yeah, pretty exciting. There's a lot of good TV on right now. I was gonna say, oh, Paul, yeah. if you if you decide to watch this show, you need to turn your phone off and do nothing but stare at that TV. Yeah, <laughs> this is well, not a show you can half watch. Well, that's yeah. what I had to do with uh, Hannibal this week too. If I don't know if any of you watched that, but wow, that was a uh, you look away for a minute and you're all confused because it keeps jumping forward and backwards into time and in time and hallucinations and flashbacks and everything. Very confusing, but really good show. But that's not the only thing I did this week. I contributed to a charity. Me. I, I was charitable, as it were. You were the charity? Uh, no, I didn't contribute to the charity. <laughs> I, contributed, I contributed to Paul's Superman Collection charity. Okay. Well, I, you know, I, I'm hoping that you, what you did was contribute to uh, my favorite charity, which is called Aaron's Backyard. It's a 501c3. <laughs> called Aaron's New Floors. <laughs> exactly. I think Paul's put enough time into Aaron's backyard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about his backyard, but he certainly spent a lot of time on his back door. <laughs> oh, we need to go that farther than we need to go. <laughs> All right, Paul. So, what'd you contribute to? All right. So, I don't know if you guys, and really, if you guys haven't heard of this, I'd be shocked. You know, but DC Entertainment has a "We Can Be Heroes" campaign, um, and it's not like the Heroes Initiative. It's uh, it's uh, it's basically uh, it's a charity for the hunger crisis in Africa, and um, you know they they had a certain goal. I believe it was a million dollars. Um, and they met their initial goal. Um, 
you know and so what they're doing now to get extra on top of that initial goal is they are setting up um kind of like kickstarter campaigns on indiegogo i don't know if you've heard of indiegogo but it's essentially kickstarter and so they have um their latest was a $50,000 goal, of which they have already met, and it just started this week. And depending on what you contribute, you know, the proceeds go to the campaign, but they have things that you get for the dollar amount that you contribute. So, for example, $25 gets you an exclusive Batman, Superman, We Can Be Heroes cover that only goes to the people in this campaign. Um, uh, $50 got you a Batman Earth One Volume 1 signed by Jeff Johns and, and Gary Frank. A um, hundred dollars gets you Arkham City signed. They have like different signed things. Five thousand um, dollars, I believe, got you drawn into Batman Earth One Volume Two. Um, Ten thousand gets you. Uh, let's see, a guest. You and a guest get two badges to Comic Con, a group lunch with Gary Frank and Jeff Johns, invites to the VIP DC event, airfare, hotel, Jim Lee T-shirt, and Gary Frank lithograph. So you know, depending on what you contribute, you get cool things and then i don't know if you can tell but the 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 um theme of this current initiative was batman and now that they've met the goal for batman that their next initiative which is probably going to happen in about a month and a half is going to be on superman and uh i i'm i have to start saving my pennies because i i can just imagine with the goodies that they have here on the batman one the superman ones are going to be pretty sweet and it all goes to a good cause so which one did you jump in at, Paul? Well, I was going to go for the $50 Batman Earth 1 Volume 1 signed. I really wanted to do that because um, I don't have a Jeff Johns autograph or a Gary Frank autograph, but it's sold out um, pretty much within the first day. There were only 50 of them. So I ended up going at the $25 level and getting the exclusive Batman Superman uh, cover. Yeah, I see even the $10 level is pretty good. You get the uh, Batman number 20, Detective 20, Dark Knight 20, Batman and Red Hood 20, and uh, Batman and Superman number one. You'll I'll get the it. digital codes to unlock all of those for 10 bucks. Yeah. So, so, Paul. Yes, sir. I just need to clarify. Your motivation here is not to help the starving people of third world Africa, but to actually secure you know, uh, collectible stuff. Yes. Okay, so... If anybody had made the mistake that Paul is actually, you know, earnest and charitable in nature, disabuse yourself of that notion now. Yeah, like say I have a certain. I don't think anyone had that in the idea. <laughs> Jesus, anyone who's listened to the show for more than one episode knew that wasn't the case. Yeah, see, this, this isn't like the uh, the money I have to go to Humane Society out of every one of my paychecks. I get nothing out of that. This is charity where you get stuff. Maybe I would do a charity rog all this time. <laughs> so, well, so Paul, you know, I mean, it's it's they got their their first goal, and so they're trying to get something a little back to the fans. And you know what? I think it's obviously it worked. I mean, they made fifty thousand dollars in less than a week. So, Paul, yes, sir. Let's talk about something important here. I mean, it, yeah, your charity work, such as it is, sir, it's it's kind of important. But I want to talk about something truly important. Okay. <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> you weren't here last week to discuss it, so I'd really like to hear your point of view on the return of the, the return and de- death and return of Superman Omnibus. Oh my God! So it came in the same box as. So here, here, here's. Are you ready for Paul's dickhead move of the week? I am ready for Paul's dickhead move of the week. So I got a box of Death and Return of Superman. Uh, in the box came Death and Return of Superman, Batman, uh, City of Owls hardcover. 
and Ravine, number one, from Ron Mars and uh, Top Cow. And so I took a picture of all three, and I'm like, look what came in the mail today. And Ron Mars tweets back to me, I know which one's my favorite. And I'm like, I know, Death and Return of Superman, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I realized my error. Oh, that couple, is awesome. A couple of minutes later. Uh. <laughs> this is the great part is it wasn't done as a joke. He realized his mistake later. God, that's funny. Yeah, because I mean, I, it, honestly, you get a Death and Return of Superman omnibus like that, and anything else in the box is just it, it, it fades into the background because that thing is just so huge and so beautiful. I mean, the cover on it, like you know, it has the um, the slip cover, and usually you take off the slip cover, and the hard cover is just some plain yeah yeah it's hard cover or and it's not yeah. the hard cover itself replicates the art on the slip cover, and I love it when they do that. Yeah. And it is just a beautiful, beautiful volume with lots of extras. Um, is it is it something that you're going to be reading? No, it's very hefty. It's not easily read. But you know, looking at it, if it does well for them, I would pick up one of the Batman um, Nightfall saga as well. I just the re- the production values on it are stupendous. It's a gorgeous book. It's not something you can read uh, laying on the couch. No. Um, I think it's something that you, you because of the the size of the book you have to you know be sitting up with it in your lap or on on a table or something, but uh, it is such a gorgeous book. It is probably my the the because uh, I have a bunch of omnibuses from when Twipster was still around. It is probably my favorite of the bunch, and I have some really good ones. But I mean, I think they just did a stellar job on this one. Yeah, no, it it is it is quite quite good. And I gotta say the the new Dan Jurgens cover art oh it's gorgeous it is amazing yeah I, I would buy a poster of it i mean it is that good yeah no they they should really you know uh sell some collector quality prints of it because mm-hmm. yeah i'd absolutely frame that and put it on the wall yeah so dc did a really stellar job with that i think yeah good i just want to make sure you're enjoying it oh yeah absolutely so what i'm looking forward to enjoying though is i'm, I'm well First, let's start with the bad news. So we know Disney bought Lucasfilm and you know all the sub companies that are owned by George Lucas. That's bad news. Uh, I say that's good news in my eyes. Well, the bad news is that this week they shut down LucasArts. Um, LucasArts being the video game division of Lucasfilm. That yeah, they haven't had a hit in a couple of years, but you know. Th- the people behind um, couple being like 10, 15, the, the yeah. company that brought you full throttle. Well, <laughs> I love full throttle. <laughs> Same here. Um, and grim Fandango and monkey Island <clears throat> and, um, day of the tentacle. Uh, you know, I mean like all those great games loom. I'm, I'm going, I'm dating myself here, but you know, let's talk about some more recent stuff. X wing, tie fighter, um, you know, any star Wars games, and so Disney has shut down that division, and not only that, they have shut down production on the Clone Wars TV series, um, and either laid off or moved some most of those folks onto some new unannounced animated series. Does that mean that they're ending Clone Wars? Yes. Wow. In fact, they had started production on a sixth season, and I believe that it is not going to be completed. That is so surprising. Yeah, that seems like a bad business decision. That's still making them a ton of money. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think they will probably release some of the content either as direct-to-DVD 
or something. But I mean, they did not finish producing season six before they were shut down. So I'm not sure what the plan is with what they've already produced. Wow, they have brought in so many fans from Clone Wars, you know, a new generation of fans on Clone Wars. Yeah, but it seems like Disney is genuinely like forget the original trilogy, forget that timeline. We're going to start going back to the timeline of the original trilogy and after. That that seems to be the motto behind all of the, I mean all of their announced projects, whether it be the side movies or any of that, seems to all be based around the original trilogy storyline and after. Now, Dark Horse, you know, Dark Horse is if a company typically when a company it has a property and that property is moving to another company, the original company kind of just lets it go. You know, yeah. they're just kind of like, eh, let's stop trying. You know, we're not we're gonna lose it anyway. But since this announcement has happened, Dark Horse has really kind of stepped up their game with the Brian Wood um, Star Wars series. Mm -hmm. And now they've announced a new series called The Star Wars, which is actually based on George Lucas's original pitch for Star Wars before it changed. And it had characters like Anakin Starkiller and Luke Skywalker was an unrelated character. Um, Ben Kenobi wasn't one of the characters. Darth Vader was a general um, you know, before it became what it eventually became, the original pitch with the, you know, and they're they're doing a comic miniseries adapted from it, and I think that's a really interesting choice. I I'm unfamiliar with this original pitch. Yeah, you know, originally, I think his original pitch actually had the story of all three movies combined into one, mm-hmm. and then you know they decided to split it out into what eventually became the movies. And but yeah, I mean, Darth Vader is not the big you know black visage costume mask character he's you know he's more of a an older general type character it's a it's a very i mean same general beats i think um but the lead character i believe is not luke skywalker it's anakin starkiller stuff like that so i'm 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 very interested in this i i I would pick it up sounds interesting yeah and and if i if i get it and it has a digital code i know aaron will be pestering me for it so absolutely I, i will need that immediately paul Hey, Star Wars number four comes out next week, uh, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> well, I got to tell you what I can't wait to spend my money on is Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox. Yeah, I'm psyched about this. So we, we heard about it a while back because Kevin Conroy let slip in an interview that he was doing the voice of Batman in a Flashpoint movie. Um, but it's not just him. Dana Delaney is going to be back as um, Lois Lane. Lois Lane. Uh, Ron Perlman will be playing Slade Wilson. Uh, looks like Vanessa Marshall um, will be reprising her role from Crisis on Two Earths as Wonder Woman. And uh, there, there's, I mean, Thomas Wayne Batman. Most of the main characters have not been announced as of yet. Um, but you know, the, it, Justice League: The Flashpoint Paradox comes out this July. I'm assuming there'll probably be a preview of it on the new Superman Unbound movie. But I'm excited about this. I like. I'm really looking forward to this. I really enjoyed Flashpoint. Oh yeah, Flashpoint. I mean, Flashpoint was awesome. <laughs> you know, the not necessarily the uh, the core story, but like the Batman Flashpoint uh, with Thomas Wayne was mm-hmm. so good. That's why I'm not I'm not excited yet until I start seeing the previews because, like you just mentioned, it wasn't the core story that got me excited for Flashpoint. It was some of the tie-ins. See, for me, it was the core story. I liked the core story. Yes, I liked the tie-ins, except how they related to the core story. <laughs> I mean, like the way that the the way that they all wrapped up is really my main issue with it. But I mean, the the Flashpoint miniseries itself, I think it's an enjoyable read. 
I do uh, hope they keep the scene where Flash is an idiot and electrocutes himself because that will make the whole movie for me. (laughs) Well, and this is probably the first time in animation that the Flash has been the lead in anything. Sure. You know, and I'm sure they'll play down. They'll play up more of the Batman aspect because that's what sells DVDs. Well, and I really enjoyed the Superman story in Flashpoint. Yeah. I mean, and and I, I think my concern is that the, the stuff that I enjoyed the most Flashpoint happened outside the main series, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I wonder like that Thomas Wayne story is so freaking good. I, I wonder, I mean, that could be a movie all on its own, but you know what? It, it could, it could also just be a, a 30 minute cartoon, 30, 45 minute cartoon. Right. You know, which let's be honest, they're probably not going to invest the money to make it a bonus feature, but it would be sweet. Yeah, that story is so good. But I have a feeling, you know, there's been a rumor, you know, Bruce Timm stepped down as the head of uh, DC Animation after after the Green Lantern thing happened. He just, you know, he stepped away from it. Right. Uh, But the rumor is he'd stepped away from it just to take a little break and he will be back working on a new Justice League animated series. Um and my my gut is telling me that we will probably see the first glimpses of that at the end of the Flashpoint paradox. Like they're setting up this new Justice League TV series, kind of like you know Flashpoint set up the new Fifty Two. Sure, I'm feeling like the end of this movie may set up the new Justice League TV series. Well, you know, designs and stuff. You're right. DC Animation has done very little that I have not loved, so uh, I'm I'm excited about Flashpoint. Yeah, I'm, I just I, hope I'm they don't gonna, create this wonderful new Justice League series, run it for maybe two seasons, then cancel it out from under me when it's the best cartoon on the air, like they did with Young Justice. <laughs> I have a feeling the reason Young Justice ended because it, you know, with Green Lantern, they were very clear that it was the sales. I'm sad too because I really like Green Lantern. But I have a feeling that with yeah, I love Green Lantern. But I have a feeling Young Justice may have ended for something else. You know, so they can take those people and put them on something else or whatever. Because, I mean, I haven't heard anything about the Young Justice sales. But I would be, you know, as long as there's some type of DC animation on TV, it's typically quality, except for that new Teen Titans show. Well, well, and, you know, for those of us who, you know, feel a bit nostalgic, Batman Beyond and Justice League are both streaming on Netflix now. Yes. Which, uh, you you have the digital comic books, which are great. Yeah. Well, you know, from Justice League Flashpoint, we move to WTF Month. God damn it. (laughs) You know, it is. It's not not God damn it, Tim. It's what the fuck. Yeah, I didn't even notice because it doesn't say that on the covers. Yeah, apparently there was quite a bit of an outcry against putting WTF on your cover. Oh, no. I know they, they have a logo designed and everything, and it's now not on the covers. Um, but you know, so what the f or what the fuck month? WTF month from DC Comics. All their comic, all their comics come with gatefold covers that have some type of huge reveal. Um, and the rumor is that a lot of these reveals were chosen before the books were even written. So some of the books were written to fit the covers. Yeah. Um, and I think some of them, I, the ones I've read this week, which were Earth 2 and um, Action Comics, which we'll get to in a minute, seem very much to, to be written to match that something was added in just to get it to match the cover. Yeah, um, that's I have to say this whole thing is a huge disappointment. When I'm looking at these covers, most of them aren't shocking. They're not worth a WTF on it. 
Yeah, I disagree, though. I mean, Earth 2, when I flipped open the cover and it was Mr. Miracle, oh, man, that is the only reason I picked up that book. I could care less about Mr. Miracle. I think Mr. Miracle, anything, anything with the new gods, I'm, I'm a sucker for. I guess that's my thing is I don't like the new gods. I'm very disappointed to see them taking a more prominent role lately. Uh, I couldn't be further from that opinion. So, except for the fact that Earth 2 sucked, and uh, Mr. Miracle's appearance on it was one page that had nothing to do with the story. But, speaking of WTF month, uh, next week's Batman and Red Robin issue, um, retitled from Batman and Robin, is on the gatefold cover is going to be Batman and Carrie Kelly Robin. You know, um, so I think this is going to be just like the WTFs we've seen this month. We've already seen her appearance in a preview page with of that issue, and they show up at like a costume party, and she's in a costume at a costume party. I don't think this is anything at all. I think they put it on the cover, and they found one way to throw her into a panel, and it's going to be another pointless thing in this hugely disappointing WTF month. It's not pointless, Wayne. It brought my blood pressure up today. <laughs> God damn it. You know, I, I loved the Tim Drake and, and Bruce Wayne stories that we used to get in the 90s before in the New 52. And right when I'm trying to see that, you know, there's there's positives in this whole Damian Wayne thing. The positive is that maybe Tim Drake will get away from Scott Liddell and not suck. And then I realized he has to share the cover with this retread from 1986. What the fuck is going on? And thus, what the fuck month? Exactly. <laughs> Apparently that cover is uh, meeting its intention then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, supposedly Carrie Kelly is not just a one-off. She's going to be in the book going forward. Um, they haven't said specifically she'll be Robin. But, oh, I, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. I think it's an interesting choice. I think it's a little soon. But it, it certainly got the uh, WTF reaction out of Tim. A little bit. And so the, the WTF book we're going to talk about today, in fact, I think the only DC book we're going to talk about today. It's the only DC book I read this week. <laughs> well, you should have read Earth 2 number 11 so that I can complain about it with you. <laughs> um, is Action Comics number 19, the first and probably only issue um, done by Andy Diggle and Tony Daniel. Um, Tony, Dick, Tony Daniel's going to take over the writing and the, the artwork on this title, right? Correct. Uh, if only for the next – I think it was a three-issue arc. Right. Or maybe four issues and uh, – no, three issues. And then issue 22 is going to be a fill-in by Scott Lobdell and Tyler Kirkham, and they haven't announced an ongoing creative team after that. Um, but So this was the first issue of their much-touted arc, and um, it featured Superman punching Jimmy Olsen on the cover. Yeah, I have to say for the cover, not the artwork wise, but just the whole message of my greatest enemy, Jimmy Olsen. It really reminds me of old classic Superman covers. I could see this on like a 60s cover. So, OK, um, I read this digitally. Um, I'm assuming that the uh, that issue 19 folds out on the cover. Yes. Yes. OK, so all I get on the cover in the digital edition is Superman hitting something in some kind of armor. I don't ever get to see who it is in the armor. Really? Yeah. See, I bought it in paper. I didn't realize the digital copies don't show the gatefold covers. Nice job there, DC. Yeah, that's that's stupid. Because, I mean, oh. uh, I, mean I, I, was, I was like, well, what's folding out? You know, 
because uh, I, I couldn't determine what that was, but now I understand I'm missing what three quarters of the cover. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, okay. Like skip, maybe if you're reading it, Aaron, if you're reading it digitally, skip to page twenty nine. <laughs> At the end of the book, you get the WTF cover. Well, that just seems silly. <laughs> oh, it's going to be fun digital conversations this week. Yeah, that is not the way to do that. Agreed. But um, so – and again, I think this book was written to that cover because the Jimmy Olsen thing is such this like – that guy oh, looks like Jimmy. Yeah. Oh, it's a, next thing. Yeah, it's a throwaway. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, this, this new storyline in Action Comics continues the trend of telling Superman stories that are not set in the uh, current time frame. This story starts off a year uh, ago, right? Yes. So, Featuring you know, Lois Lane the Ho. Right, yeah. Horbag, uh, you know, Lois Lane. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, isn't that an appropriate way to describe her? Yeah, um, did, did no one else feel that way about her because she's like about to make out with Clark Kent and then some other dude shows up. And she just make out with him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Continue, Aaron. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it's headed in the right direction, you know, because I didn't want to just, you know, peel my brain out of my head reading it like I did with Grant Morrison's action comics. But Certainly not where it needs to be, and certainly yeah. you know when you, when you look at it in terms of what you know is coming up creatively, you know in terms of the teams, you know that this is almost might as well just be you know fill-in issues. Yeah, and honestly, I felt it was a weaker first issue than Scott Lobdell's first issue. Yeah, that is a um, really sad thing when I flip through it because uh, you know I'm picking up because the beginning of new creative teams, anyone other than Grant Morrison. And I still don't know what the book's going to be like because this isn't the ongoing creative team. Yeah. 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 I mean, and here's the thing. Tony Daniel, I think he did a bang up job. I think he came out as the star of this book. But the story was just eh. I mean, it was just a generic story. There was nothing exciting about it. I mean, don't get me wrong. As a Superman, as far as action comics, probably the best issue of the title so far. Um, but again, I, I felt like Scott Lobdell came in stronger with his first issue with Scart with Scart. That's a word. Um, Clark Kent uh, quitting the Daily Planet. I felt that was a stronger, you know, uh, a st- stronger, you know, first step than uh, than this issue, which is I don't know. I just you know, I do, I do have to say I really like Clark Kent in this book. I like Clark's interaction with Lois. I thought that was very well done. Those first couple pages. I'm just not feeling the Superman scenes though. I mean, it's not that it, I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's just that I'm not. I, I'm still reserving my opinion on this universe's Lex Luthor. He's not catching me, though. He's I like him in some appearances, and then others, it just... This well, different version is... I don't know. It's just hard to... It's hard to make up an opinion on him when he, we've seen him in a couple different ways in different books. Well, and here's the thing about this this issue's Lex Luthor. I think, I think he had a pretty good plan. You know, with, you know, let's kill Superman slowly with these things that he doesn't even know are in him. But, you know, didn't we already see that? In All-Star Superman, I mean, isn't this kind of a similar story? I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed the book, and I'm being really hard on it because I had really high hopes for it. But, I mean, ultimately, I did enjoy it. If you haven't been reading action comics, it's worth checking out. It seems like it's going to be an interesting three-arc storyline. But, like you guys said, it's frustrating because you know they're not going to be the ongoing team. So it's really just four issues of fill-in. Um, and, you know, it's just it, it's a little frustrating. Totally agree. 
But I mean, and also it's a three ninety nine book, which uh, I was surprised because there's no backup or anything. Maybe it's just a longer than usual comic. Well, it it uh, it it was not dazzling. An improvement over what we were getting under Grant Morrison, but it was not dazzling. Agreed. Yeah. It, you know, not quite like Indestructible Hulk number six. Oh my god. <laughs> so so Tim's been quiet because we've been talking about Superman and digital comics. Let's let Tim have his go with uh, Indestructible Hulk number six. Um, this was everything I, I was hoping and expecting it to be. This was awesome. I love this book. I uh, yeah, I was a little I was a little sad to learn it was going to be kind of an elsewhere story, but it made sense so that Simon say could draw his Thor, you know, and keep it old school basically. But yeah, I, I love this book thoroughly. Um, I don't see how you go wrong with Hulk, Thor, and Frost Giants. No, no you and, can't go wrong. They, they didn't. They didn't go wrong at all. And well, I think, and you know, mad scientist Doctor Bruce Banner. Oh yeah. You know, I mean the 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 hey, we've got uh, this sliver of Uru, you know, from Thor's hammer. What could go wrong with experiments on that? And hey, let's go find some more. Yeah, <laughs> I love that he's building things out of that, and this is just one of the best takes on Bruce Banner I've seen ever. Yeah, I think what we're gonna find is that they not only went. Um, to another rea- uh, dimension, I feel like they may have gone back in time. And that's why we're seeing the classic Thor. Yeah, because it's a Thor that hasn't been to Midgard in uh, ages. Yeah, I have a feeling that's what we're going to see, is that you know they went back in time as well. But you know what? I'm not always the biggest fan of Walt Simonson's art. And I know there are people who are like, who Walt Simonson can do no wrong. But honestly, that arc he did on Avengers was really not all that good. Um, but I really enjoyed his art on this book. I want Especially, a poster of that last picture, the clip. I know, right? <laughs> Hulk worthy. Yeah. <laughs> when Hulk picks up uh, Mjolnir, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a damn good book. I mean, this issue was – I was a little worried about it, you know, about the, the, the Walter Simonson art or Walt Simonson art. But it really just – because it's such a stark difference than what's came before. Right. But it really works well in this book. Yeah, the, I uh, like seeing the classic Thor costume again because it's it's been a while since I've read anything with Thor in that costume. There's a, there's a scene where they first enter um, the the ice realm. I never remember them, but Yo, there's this big Fushuma picture, and it was yeah. just like, yeah, that's Walt Simons. Yeah. That was great. There is so much energy on the page. There are elements that obviously, you know, are, are reminiscent of his run on Thor, but there's also elements of his Star Slammers book. You know, I, I, I just or Star Jammers, I think is what Star Slammers or Star Jammers. I think it's Star Slammers. Um, but uh, just so damn good. Yeah, I'm really glad you enjoyed this, Tim, because I, when I read it, I wasn't sure how you would feel about this being an alternate or a you know time travel Thor. Or, just anything other than the, the current Thor. Um, it makes me – it justifies Hulk being able to pick up Majolner by changing dimensions, I guess, a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that – you know, because if this was real Thor, I'm not so sure I would have been as happy. But it being all Elseworlds Thor, I'm okay with it. It was a <laughs> well, really good book. Yeah, and I know we don't typically call out to the lettering on a book. Um, but Tim mentioned the Fatum, and the letter on this book is Chris Iliopoulos. Yep. And that guy, I mean, he is Chris Iliopoulos. Every book he letters, 
well, is awesome. And what I love about the way he lettered the book is that it is so reminiscent of the way the the Simonson books were lettered back when he was doing Thor originally. Exactly. You know, I mean, it is it is so very much in that line. I mean, I'm like, man, if Beta Ray Bill could just show up, we would have a yeah. trifecta. Oh you know? yes. <laughs> you know, I could get behind that. Yeah, I just kind of I fucking love this book. Maybe some Thunderstrike. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so while you guys were getting your uh, your Thor fix and your Simonson fix, also from Marvel this week was Thanos Rising. Now everyone knows I am a huge lover of these cosmic titan characters, whether it be Darkseid or Thanos or any type of character like that. And so when they announced that Jason Aaron was going to be doing a Thanos Rising book, I was super excited. Now when they announced the artist was Simone Bianchi, yeah, I really that really hurt my excitement because I do not like that guy's art. But Aaron, you read this book with me. What'd you think? Well, you know, like yourself, Paul, I'm I'm a huge fan of the Thanos character. So between Indestructible Hulk this week and Thanos Rising, I have been walking around mostly erect. Um, <laughs> I, I I have been sporting wood since Wednesday. Uh, so instead of Thanos Rising, it was Aaron Rising. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Rising show title. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, uh, I like yourself, I'm not a gigantic fan of Simone Bianchi, but uh, I thought it was done very well in this book. Um, yeah, he, he pulled it back a little bit, his crazy art style. I yeah. mean, I know there are people who love him. He had a huge arc on Wolverine that was really popular, mm-hmm. but I just – typically I can't get into his art. And I'm, I'm worried about future issues because the adult Thor – or the adult Thor, the adult Thanos looked like shit. But the kid stuff I liked. Yeah. But whenever yeah. they showed him as an adult, I thought it was poor. Yeah. Preteen Thanos was, was very interesting to look at, um, less so on the adult version. I would absolutely agree. But I got to tell you, I really enjoyed this issue. You know, you're, you're get, this is really, you know, Thanos Rising is, uh, you know, really sort of Thanos Origins. And, you know, you get to see him from, you know, birth on. And I, I really dug the book. I thought. It made you feel sympathetic to the Thanos character, which is always interesting when you've got, you know, a galaxy-crushing villain uh, that you, they find a place for you to like him a little bit. Yeah, I was a little worried when I started reading the when the first flashback to Thanos as a child. Um, now the baby scene where his mom tries to kill him straight out of the womb. Yes, I thought that was awesome. Yes, but when he's a, a well, pre-teen, did it remind you of you and your own mother, Paul? Very much, very much. <laughs> a memories. Yes. Um, but then he flashes to a preteen, and he's very much like Kid Apocalypse from Wolverine and the X Men. Mm-hmm. And I was worried that uh, it's going to be the same story as Kid Apocalypse. <laughs> but thankfully, the book doesn't stay there very long. I was worried that you know, as a miniseries, Thanos wouldn't go bad until issue six or something. And really, you kind of get that turn in this first issue, where he really like loses it. And I really enjoyed that, you know, they, the, that they didn't decompress the story. Yeah. You get a lot of meat in this first issue. There really is a lot of story in this book. Yeah, and I, I'm on board. I, I, the last page was fantastic. Yeah, that final scene. Yeah, yeah, and I, you kind of even just from one issue, you kind of get where his fascination with death comes from. You know. Like the start of why, you know, why he hates life and loves death and all that. You kind of all see that in this first issue. And it, I think that's really great. Yeah. How many issues is this, Paul? I I believe it's six. Okay. 
I hope it's no more than six because that would probably be a bit long. Did you see that on the title page that this issue is dedicated to Jim Starlin? I did. Now, you know, I wonder, you know, if Jim Starlin is sitting back going, well, don't dedicate it to me. Let me write the damn thing. (laughs) I wouldn't doubt it. (laughs) And, you know, I I do have to say something about Marvel because it's something that's annoying me a little bit as of late. Uh Every first issue wastes the first three pages. Yes. By having like one page with nothing and then two pages with nothing but the to the title of the book. Right. And it's like, okay, I'm paying four dollars because this is a thirty page book. I yeah, just wasted three of them. Yep. You know? Um it, it, it seems I, I I know what the I know what the title of the book is. It's on the damn cover. <laughs> so but yeah, I mean I've seen it a lot. I saw it in Avengers. Like every one number one issue really yeah. from uh, the Marvel Now initiative. Yep. But that said, that, I, yeah. I, I, this book was a value in that uh, it was all good story. The the artwork did not get in the way, uh, and in fact, I would say I for the overwhelming majority of the pages, I really enjoyed the artwork. I would think I, I got to tell you, I think the least effective page in this entire book is the cover. Yeah, you know yeah. the uh, not the variant cover by Marco Jurjevic, but the one that's actually done by Simone Bianchi. Um, blood. Yeah, is. The the coloring is such that it doesn't seem three dimensional. You know the headpiece, yeah. his headpiece seems three dimensional, but not his face. There's really a, a very difficult distinction to make between his cheek and his hand. You know, just from the for, there, there's an absence of depth uh, in that illustration, and I think it's because you know it's so digitally manipulated that uh, they they lost something in that in that uh, translation. Yeah. So, Paul, did you buy this book in print or digital? I bought it in print. I, basically, if it comes with the digital code, I'll buy it in print. Did it have the ad inside? Because most of the Marvel books this week have an ad inside that I want to point out on the inside cover for 3D deco lights. Um, no, this has 10 manly calories, Dr. Pepper 10. Okay. <laughs> that, was the, that was the other one that was on the inside cover of some of the books I got this week. Tar- apparently, Marvel with Target has these exclusive lights and they are – it's Captain America's shield, Thor's hammer, Hulk's fist, and there's crack lines around it, and you put them up on your wall, and it looks like either Thor's hammer is embedded in your wall or Captain America's shield got stuck in there or Hulk's fist is coming through. Well, I might need the Thor's like, hammer. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I bet you they're smaller than they look. Well, I, 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 I bet saw, they are because they're for kids, but I still think I want Thor's hammer. I saw a picture of one on Instagram, and I didn't understand what it was, but now I do. And it was the the cap shield, and mm-hmm. the shield was about the size of a frisbee. Yeah, yeah, I think the shield is probably way too small, but Hulk's fist and uh, Thor's hammer, I think those are probably a little better size-wise in comparison because cap shield is huge, and they're not going to have something that huge. I wonder where in the Target store they sell those. I am thinking I may go to Target today and look for them. Yeah. Well, it's, so it's available in April, so they may not be available yet. Um, it's April, Paul. Yeah, but it's I don't know just if, now April. I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's been April for, you know, seven days. Seven days. <laughs> hey, um, before we move on to the next book, I want to ask a question about this one. Um, did you got well, no, maybe not about this book, but about Marvel books since we're talking about the ads. Have you seen the ad for the new X-Men number one? I have not because I'm buying them digitally and they don't put their ads in there. Yeah, it's the all-female one. All-female X-Men. Storm, Rogue, Rachel Gray, Psylocke, Jubilee, and Kitty Pride, Written by Brian Wood with art by Olivier Copiel. 
And this looks like it's still the vampire Jubilee. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's still a vampire. But uh, I think it looks pretty – I mean, the, the, the creative team like that, it starts in May. But supposedly, I think it was supposed to start in April, and they already delayed the first issue, which is not a good sign. Well, Olivia Copiel's on it, so I mean, yeah. you're going to get delays. But you know what? You shouldn't solicit the first issue from Olivia Copiel until the, fir- the fourth issue is completed. Completely agree. But uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, like, I'm hesitant because the same thing that's drawing me to the book, Olivia Copiel, is the same thing that makes me feel like I'm going to get screwed. Because I'm going to buy issue one, and issue two is only going to have four pages done by him, and someone else is going to fill in the rest. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I love that guy. I love him to death, but you can't depend on him. No, no. Unlike Stuart Amonin, that guy can put out a book on yeah. time and yes. good looking. Yes, he can. So all new X-Men number 10 came out this week from Brian Michael Bendis with art by Stuart Amonin, Wade Von Graw Badger, and uh, other people. <laughs> <laughs> so, t- Tim, I know you, you had some words about this book. I, I, this is one of the better written books I've read recently. I, I love the dialogue between, um, Scott Summers and everybody that's out to basically kill him. This is a really good, uh, well-told story. I felt I I bought in like when he showed up, I'm like, this is just going to be a fight book. This is just going to be him going, uh, to me, my evil X-Men or whatever. And they're just going to beat his ass. And that is not what happened. Yeah, and I know you and I were both worried, Tim, that this was going to make us buy the other X book that we don't want to read. Right. I'm, I'm glad. But I think Uncanny X-Men will show what happened in between the, the pages of this book. That's okay. I don't care. I have to tell you, this book had the scene of the week. <laughs> I know what you going to say. <laughs> there, there is this great scene where, you know uh, – yeah, our our world, Scott Summers, the guy who became possessed by the Phoenix Force, who you know, uh, however it occurred, killed Charles Xavier, you know, is standing in front of you know Wolverine and his X Men and Kitty Pride and the X Men from the past, and he says, "Well, here I am. Kill me here. I couldn't live with the thought that any of you even think that is who I am." And so there's you got this panel of, of Wolverine just restraining himself, gritting his teeth, and you know Cyclops just standing like you know if you're gonna do it, do it. And there's just nobody makes a move. <laughs> and then Krakoa, you know the 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 giant island mutant that is the ground on which the uh, Xavier School for the Gifted sits on, jumps up and swallows Cyclops and a couple of his X Men. I just love that. <laughs> I love the younger Iceman's reaction to it, too. Yeah. What was that? (laughs) The front lawn's a mutant. I love this place. (laughs) It's funny because you can see very distinct personalities in both the Iceman characters, you know, the older Iceman and the younger Iceman. Right. And they're awesome. Both of them are awesome. But you know what one of my favorite scenes in the book was? So Wolverine is ready to attack Cyclops because Cyclops has named his school the Xavier School. Right. Um, and so, you know, Wolverine's about to flip out. I mean, he, he, he has a weird-ass looking face going on. And young Jean Grey goes up to his back and, like, you know, holds him back and says, James, what will that do? Like, you know, 
like she's already got this like he, he she is the only one who can calm him down again which is both awesome and a little creepy because isn't she supposed to be like 15 uh 16 or 17 i think mm, yeah it's a little creepy don't do it logan <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean i enjoyed that scene i enjoyed the connection those characters those characters have yeah. yeah every all the dialogue that beast has in this book was really good i I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm really glad that um, that when they switched it up, Bendis got a hold of the X-Men because it's making me read a book that uh, I haven't read in a while. Yeah, same here. Well, Tim, issue four is Chris Bacalo's last issue on Uncanny X-Men, so you may want to hop on that title. It is just as well written as all new X-Men. Uh, they're going to bring him back, Paul. They always bring him back. <laughs> now, supposedly he's moved on to another title. He'll, he'll be on some other title. He, you know, he's probably going to be the new artist on Thor. God of yeah, that, that's what I read. <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> You're trolling me now. <laughs> I, I did have one thing I didn't like about this issue, and that's just that last page. I think at this point I've seen the, the cliffhanger of uh, who was it that just spoke so many times that it just it re- elicits the initial reaction of, Really, this again? I think, I think it's going to be who that is. I have no idea who it is. I assume it's Jean Grey. It's Jean Grey. Hmm. The whole the whole conversation about this would be a great time to put a splinter cell in there. Oh, we can't because Emma Frost is a telepath, and Jean's in the room for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And oh, she's yeah. been kind of full of herself this whole ish this this whole run. So she's like, I could probably handle that. I can trick them, even though she learned that she was telepathic like you know a week ago. Yeah, this and will turn out the younger well. Scott that says, you know, that says no as well. So it's obviously one of the, you know, one of the pastime X-Men. Hmm. I hadn't thought it was Jean Grey. For some reason, I was thinking it was Angel. But you could be right with the Jean Grey thing. Well, we'll find out in two and, weeks. And I think it might be Angel because I feel confident that one of these X-Men from the past is going to die. And I think that it's going to be Angel. I, that's just my gut feeling is I just really do think that young Angel is going to bite it. You think the guy that wanted to go home isn't ever going to get to go home? Yep. You think that's the story? Yep, <laughs> I do. I do. I absolutely – I think it's the guy who's had his mind played with, you know, so that Gene will have to carry that baggage that, you know, if she'd just let him go home, if she hadn't screwed with his head, that, uh, you know, he'd still be alive. I just – I really – I've got a strong gut feeling that that guy's not going to come out of this. Well, I'm on board. I'm going to keep reading it. I mean I love oh, the book. I so really love the book. So you're on board for the murder of Warren Worthington III. That's yeah, true. Yeah, honestly, I, I've never liked Angel. Kill him. Kill him. <laughs> kill him again and kill him again. You're a dick, Paul. Yeah. Arch- Archangel is one of my favorite characters. Angel, I could do without. I can do without either one of them. Just kill them all. I, I like New Angel. He's kind of <laughs> creepy. New Angel's kind of funny. You can keep New Angel, but Old Angel can die. So, Aaron. Sir. This week, outside of Marvel, outside of DC, we read a couple of Dynamite books. Oh, you got to say it right, Paul. It's Dynamite! Dynamite! Both like uh, taking classic pulp characters and uh, reinventing them with a modern twist. Even though though one of them still take, well, both of them still take place in uh, in the past. Masks number five um, from Chris Roberson came out this week. Were written by Chris Roberson. Came out this week. Um, continuing the crossover of characters like uh, Green Hornet and The Shadow and all of them. 
And uh, you were you were very excited about this issue this week. I was because you know they have been pimping Zorro throughout the first four books, but we all we've seen of him is you know references of yes, there's that hero down in Mexico, you know, uh, but but not here in 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 where this story is set set. Um, but Zorro makes his appearance in this book, and I got to tell you, he's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, his appearance is pretty badass. God, I mean, I just, you know, just from that first page where he's, you know, it will not be the innocent people who suffer. You are brave enough when facing old men and children, but do you have the cojones to face a man who can fight back? <laughs> I just love it. Just. Uh, Aaron, you're going to read some Zorro audio fiction for the site. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Uh, I just, uh, man, I, I, I was, I read this with a gigantic smile on my face. Oh, yeah. But I got to say, Paul, I have figured something out at long last. Um, What's that? Last week, I read uh, Green Hornet by Mark Wade. You know, I've been meaning to ask, how was that? That book sucked. Did it really? It really did. And let me say, I, I think, <laughs> I think I have always felt like it's just not the right writer handling this character. And I think it's just because I can't stand the character. You know, I am all about Cato. You know, I think Cato is an awesome character, but the the character of Green Hornet, Brit, whatever the fuck his name is, Brit Reed, yeah, yeah, I just hate that guy. And I mean, as I'm reading this, as I'm reading Masks, every panel he's in, he is like nails on a chalkboard to me. I mean, I just can't stand him. And I think it's just – it's the character. It doesn't have – because, you know, there are few writers more talented in comics today than Mark Wade. And if Mark Wade can't make that character sing for me, nobody can. You know, I, I just oh, – I just hated him. Just hate him, Paul. Hate him. <laughs> you know, I think I like I, – I have liked Green Hornet stuff in the past. Um, I like think – Remember – I don't know if you remember Now Comics. Yes. There was they did a Green Hornet series that I quite enjoyed. I just I the only thing Green Hornet I really enjoyed was the old radio dramas. I was is trying that to think now back. now. <laughs> <laughs> it's later now. Uh, or I guess it's past now. Yeah, then now. Now then now or now mm-hmm. then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that Green Hornet is so entrenched in his time that I think his stories only work in that time, not just in that setting, but at the time you would have had to have read them when they were original. Oh, I mean, but Aaron, come on. You know you loved the Green Hornet movie with Seth Rogen. I have not seen the Green Hornet movie with Seth Rogen. It's terrible. It's yeah, freaking terrible. I, I could tell that from the trailer. <laughs> I mean, I, I got to tell I, don't get me wrong. I loved Masks. I just have realized that I just cannot abide the Green Hornet. Where's a character like the Shadow? I love the Shadow. Love the Shadow, and from the Spider, I didn't even know the Spider until yeah, now. Yeah, the the I, uh, every single character in this book, I'm really digging, except the Green Hornet. You know, <laughs> I, I I really am, and I you know again totally dug the book, but you know I I just I, Green Hornet just makes me want to scratch my brain out. I just I, I hate him. I hate him, Paul. I think Green Hornet. I don't know what it is. I think it's the the costume because he does have a pretty badass costume. Not really. <laughs> Aaron's just resigned that Green Hornet sucks. It sucks. <laughs> there is no saving the character. There really isn't. I think that I think that the thing to do is to kill off Green Hornet and just have Kato. That's that's the move. Oh, I would be okay with that too. <laughs> so I have a question for you. No, that's not the, the the female character in this book is not Lady Fury, correct? Uh which female character are you talking to? Yeah, the the 
the one who's on the page talking to the shadow? Yeah. That's Miss Fury. Oh, it is Miss Fury. Okay. Yeah. So Miss Fury does get her own book this week, also from Dynamite Entertainment. Um, creative team is Rob Williams, writer Rob Williams. He's also the writer of Uncanny X-Force over at Marvel. And art by Jackson Herbert. Now, Paul, you weren't going to pick this book up. No, no, because honestly, I, I've been hit or miss with these uh, with these titles, whether it be Green Hornet or The Shadow, which was um, – um, I was lukewarm on. I, I mean I'm kind of iffy on some of these characters. I, I love the characters, but I've been iffy on the titles. Um, so, but you recommended Miss Fury number one. Well, you know, I picked it up um, – I was, I, I was curious about the character. Um, what Dynamite's been doing is that they've been taking licensed characters such as Green Hornet, Zorro, um, um, Green Hornet, Zorro, who is the third one, um, Shadow, Spider, Shadow, Shadow. Uh, so they're they're, t- they're they're take they they have licenses for those characters, but they're also jumping back into the era of the 30s and 40s and picking up those characters who have fallen into the public domain and then putting a new twist on them and owning a new copyright on them. And so that's kind of what they did during that Project Superpowers thing where you had the Black Terror and all of those guys. And that was while a collection of amazing covers by Alex Ross were largely horribly written, horribly illustrated stories. But yeah, I really that, enjoyed the beginning of that, and it fell apart very quickly. Yeah, it was just it – just, it, they didn't have the right set of talent on there. And I think Dynamite has owned that because they've had that conversation where – you know, we want to do another Project Superpowers, but we want to make sure the creative team is right. Because, you know, if you've done this three times now, you really ought to get it right on the third time. Yeah. Speaking of it, Aaron, how's that Kirby Genesis treating you? You know, I, I stopped picking up Kirby Genesis. But the only reason, <laughs> and, you know, Kurt, Kurt Pusick was writing it, and it was beautifully illustrated. But, man, I could not tell you what was going on in that book. I enjoyed every issue I read. Couldn't tell you what was going on. It was like Twin Peaks. It, you know, I, I, but I understood Twin Peaks after I watched Firewalk with me. You know, but I, I, you know, I was, you know, what seven issues into Kirby Genesis, and I had mm-hmm. more idea what was going on in issue seven than I did in issue one. Uh, I think it's a beautiful book, and it is lovingly uh, in the style of, of of Jack Kirby. But uh, that may be something that I pick up, you know, collected on down the line. But let me get back to Miss Fury. So uh, Miss Fury is a character that originally came out uh, back in 1941 uh, in the spring prior to uh, Pearl Harbor. Um, and she has been a number of characters and actually has been a dude a couple of times. You know, John Perry, uh, Rex King. The character was originally called Black Fury and then became Miss Fury. And you know this is one of those public domain uh, characters uh, originally published by Fox Features Syndicate, and then I'm sorry, not Fox Features, um, eh, whatever. Originally uh, published by, by somebody, and then reprinted by Timely, which later became Marvel Comics. So you know she she has been around for a good long time. Dynamite has you know dusted her off and has you know kind of rebranded her and, and has has a new copyright on the character uh, in this story and this story is a time travel story you know uh, she is fighting a Nazi on the rooftop somehow winds up in the future a future in which uh, the Nazis won the war apparently and I'm sorry I thought this book was gorgeous I thought it was fun. Um, you know, it really you know it tells the origin of you know rich bored socialite uh, who who gets 
you know, in the original story, she didn't have superpowers, but it seems like she might have something, or at least some kind of enhanced spirit or something. Yeah, she's got something in this book. Um, and you were right, it is Fox, Fox Feature Syndicate. Yeah, the, the um, original publisher? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I picked up this book, like you said, on a whim, uh, based on your recommendation. It, I loved it. I loved it. It is very adult. It, you know, it's got sex and violence. Uh, you know, like like you, like you turn one page and you know it's got her in a bathtub and you know she's all covered up, you know, like by the newspaper or by bubbles. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be one of those books. But as Jake Ekus pointed out, that is not the appropriate use or treatment of leather gloves. Correct, correct. <laughs> <laughs> but then you turn the page and she's buck ass naked walking out of the tub, and I'm like. Okay, mature reader's book. Got it. <laughs> um, well, but you know, her her trusty manservant who's holding the towel up for her is discreetly looking away. This is true. This is true. But uh, it, this, this book was just an adult pulp character. I but with the, the sci-fi leaning of her traveling forward in time to a reality where the Nazis are in modern day New York, you know, and, and like won the war, you know. So you've got a Zeppelin. Floating above, uh, you know, Nazi Zeppelin flying above New York. Just a, an awesome, awesome last page. I am on board. I am absolutely on board. This is an so awesome story. Awesome. Is this awesome. a mini series or is it an ongoing series? I think it'll depend on sales. I don't think they've announced that yet. Yeah, I, 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 it doesn't say anything in the book about it. So, but I don't. It, it, it is. You know, one of the things that I often am challenged with on, on Dynamite books is the art will be uneven. You know, that you'll have, you know, really just di- dynamite pages, and then some pages just look like almost another artist drew them. And from beginning to end, I thought that the artwork was amazing. This Jack Herbert guy, with whom I'm unfamiliar, does an amazing job illustrating this book. And that Alex Ross cover is beautiful. Oh, yeah. Is that Alex Ross who did that cover? Yeah, he did the cover where it looks like she's got vapors coming off of her. Wow, you know, I would have thought that was Jay Lee, but yeah. you're right, it is Alex Ross. Yeah. The more I look at it, I realize, yeah, it is Alex Ross. But but it, it it's not his usual stuff. No, it's not, and that's what I find so striking about it is it does have that very uh, wispy sort of Jay Lee look to it. But man, <laughs> this book was good. I it, if you have any interest in you know beating the shit out of Nazis or pulp characters, or pulp characters beating the shit out of Nazis, or naked ladies in tub, or pulp characters being naked in a tub beating the shit out of Nazis, this is the book for you. <laughs> I, I like all of those things. <laughs> and any combination thereof. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's the, it's the trifecta. I, this book was fantastic. Absolutely. I, I, you know, if the uh, Walt Simonson Indestructible Hulk book hadn't come out this week, this would probably be my book of the week. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. So, speaking of excellent books, Guardians of the Galaxy Infinite Comic number three came out. Um, the the Infinite Comics are these digital only tales that basically introduce the different characters in Brian Michael Bendis's Guardians of the Galaxy book. Now, I myself have been really lukewarm on the first two. In fact, I, I I'm pretty sure I disliked the first one greatly. Yes. Um, yeah. The the. Uh... The first one was Drax. Drax, that's right. Yeah, if and you the, remember, the first one made me wonder if I was going to enjoy the series at all. Yeah, and then you know the uh, the second one, the Rocket Raccoon book, was a little bit of an improvement. Uh, but I got to tell you, Gamera, Guardians of the Galaxy, Infinite Comic Number Three, Gamera, 
or Gamora, I should probably appropriately say. Fan-freaking-tastic. This is the first of these that has really given me the voice of the character, who the character is, and a little history about the character. I yeah. think I know everything I need to know about her now, and I, I'm interested in the character. The first two didn't do that for me. Yeah. And that's what I loved about this. Even though 75% of the book has no dialogue in it, the 25% that does actually gives an origin to the character and gives a reason and gives her motivations and everything. And I'm just like, where was that in the first two books? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, there aren't a lot of – you're right. There's not a lot of words throughout this entire book. But the words they choose to use, you know, both in just narration, those give us exactly who the character is. Daughter of Thanos had no idea he had a daughter. And her interactions with Star-Lord when he shows up gives the voice of both of those characters as well. Yeah. Well, and the, the layouts by um, uh, Ives Bigarel and the art by Michael Del Mundo is amazing in this book. Oh, yeah. I, I love – the good thing about these Infinite Comics, is when they work correctly, is that they do seem almost animated. Right. And even though there were some parts that I think could have been done better – when they did it right, it was perfect. Right. Well, you know, and that was the one of my big issues with the previous two books is that the they were not in keeping with the style of the Infinite Comics that worked so well during AVX that Mark Wade wrote. Um, this one is really on par with that level of quality, you know. And it's the first one I've seen that wasn't one of those original Infinites. Um, that is on that is on that same footing. You know, the ultimate Spider-Man stuff that they've done, I did not feel like was nearly as good as what we got here. It really adds something to these fight scenes when you see the uh, the one panel of the character standing there and punching. And then the next few screens are basically her still standing there and her opponent flying backwards. Well, and I have to commend Marvel. You know, they're making these these round of Guardians of the Galaxy Infinite Comics absolutely free. And that is the way you build an audience. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, this is a comic that you could give to anybody. You know, you've never read a comic book before. You could hand somebody this, and they could enjoy a comic book in a brand new way. I think the challenge is that it raises expectations. So if if you're saying, "Hey, here's a comic you'll enjoy," and you hand them this issue of Infinite Comics uh, featuring Gamora, you know, and they say, "Okay, what else can you give me?" and you give them a regular issue out of Comicsology. The transitions aren't the same. The energy isn't the same. Yeah, just know? ignore that I'm giving you issue number three, and yeah, you don't need to read that. <laughs> well, but I mean, even if you gave them Superior Spider-Man this week, which was a book I very much enjoyed, um, you're not going to get the same level of energy on the page because the transitions aren't written for the digital medium, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that I think it's great to build your audience this way, but you got to have something that you can move them into that's going to work just as well. Agreed. And there's very little on the shelf like that that does that right now. I think we'll see that come in the coming years. I really do. And I know Marvel is doing um, Infinite – I think it starts in June. They're doing weekly Infinite Comics, aren't yeah. they, starting with a Wolverine one? That's what I hear. So I, I think it's great, though, that when the Guardians of the Galaxy movie comes out, they're going to be able to, to re-queue all this stuff for that audience and say, hey, look at all this free Guardians of the Galaxy content for you to – you know, familiarize yourself with that universe. You know, they're going to charge for it when the movie comes out. <laughs> now, Marvel wouldn't do that, Paul. No, no, not at all. Not not my Marvel. <laughs> Make mine Marvel. <laughs> See, I think it would be a brilliant idea if they gave out free codes for that .5 issue with movie theater tickets. 
Oh, that's a good idea. Because <laughs> I love that point five, and I thought it did a good job. By then, they're not going to really have a lot of back sales on it anymore anyway, so well, you give do, it out for free. You do need a link between the movie experience and the comic book experience beyond hey go to your comic shop or hey go to comiXology you need something to get that, that, that you know if they bought their ticket online you know uh give them a groupon or something for so that they can go to comiXology and pull down a book yeah you know? well and you know i think guardians of the galaxy is next year right 2014 correct uh, i i that is probably going to be because marvel pretty much owns the first weekend in may right not sure uh, that's a good idea, Aaron. Last time I had a group on, I had to put on cream for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't doubt that Guardians of the Galaxy is the uh, the Marvel release for that first weekend of May, which is also I think free comic book week. Aren't they a July release for for Guardians? Are they? But then who owns that first weekend? I mean, because it's always a Marvel movie. I know there's always a Marvel movie the day before free comic is book it, day. Is it not the new Thor movie? I thought Thor is this November. And maybe it is. Okay. Who knows? I don't know. You're right. August 1st, 2014. So I don't know what the Marvel movie is. Maybe it's Ant-Man. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But, but, I, but regardless, this is a damn good book. Oh, man. This was a good good, good week for books. I, I really enjoyed uh, Guardians. I thought it was good. And I really enjoyed Superior Spider-Man this week. How about you guys? It just illustrates why I disliked the tie-in last week, the Age of Ultron tie-in, because this should have come out last week instead of this week or two weeks ago or whenever it was, because the Age of Ultron tie-in had nothing to do with the ongoing Spider-Man story, and, and this was so good. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that Age of Ultron story is going to tie into to much in the Marvel universe. But I mean, beyond the tie-ins, I don't think it's going to you know drive our ongoing stories. It delayed no. us from getting this issue. I'm really not a fan when I have to say I think Paul's right. But I think Paul's going to be right. This is exactly <laughs> going to be 12 issues of Superior Spider-Man. The the end is nigh. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I, I think I think I think we're 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 closing in. Yeah, and I'm I'm a little sad about that because I I wasn't interested, you know, after Alpha and you guys talked me into Doc Ock Spider-Man and I, I think there's more there. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I gotta say, Umberto Ramos drew his guts out in this book. I think this may be his best artwork since Spider Island. Oh yeah, well, anytime, anytime we can, anytime we can uh, praise Umberto Ramos on the show, I'm all for. <laughs> See, I think we may get to the point where when Doc Ock sleeps, Peter comes out, takes over the body, wakes up, and goes out and beats Spider Man. I think we may have a period there where both of them are in control of the body at different times. Well, I was uh, uh, startled on one page that I thought an X-Men, an, a, 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 another X-Man was on the book. The way they drew uh, Black Widow, you know, it doesn't look like it, her Black Widow symbol on her belt. It looks like uh, an X-Men logo. Oh, you're funny. And she's got the little she's got the little thigh belts like she's a Rob Liefeld character. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, which X-Men is that? Oh, that's Black Widow. But I, I like the way that Umberto Ramos draws the Avengers, especially that last page where they're all getting yeah. ready to attack. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I – God, this book was good. Yeah. This book was really good and just beautiful. And Cardiac. We haven't mentioned Cardiac. Yeah, Cardiac was good in this book. Holy crap. I haven't yeah. seen Cardiac in 15 years. Yeah. Well, Dan Slott said he was bringing him back. Yeah, I know. But you know, it's, once you see him on the page, it's like, whoa. Yeah. No, and I enjoyed him. 
I enjoyed him, and I enjoyed his his uh, little secret lab. You know, his and his heart clinic. The only thing I didn't like is the art that you guys loved. God, the art was amazing in this. I particularly hated the way he drew the Avengers, except Wolverine. Umberto Ramos's style works perfectly for Wolverine. I don't know why. I, I thought I thought the pencils were on fire in this book. Agreed. Yeah. So and so I hear something big is happening in Superior Spider-Man number nine. What do you hear, Paul? What do you hear? Tell us. Well, supposedly it's the biggest thing since that so far of the series. There's a major turning point coming in Superior Spider-Man number nine. Supposedly midget um, sex. Probably. That yes. Yes. Well, I, I'm hoping. <laughs> in addition to that. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen this week was Superior Spider Week, so they had all these announcements. Um, so like, there's a new book coming out called Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Oh dear! And they are changing um, Avenging Spider-Man to Superior Team Up. Basically, they're, 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 everything is going to be superior because they figure Superior probably sp- sells more. Uh-huh. Um, and there's, I think there's even a Superior Carnage series coming out. Mm-hmm. There is a book coming um, out that Wayne and I are already in line for, and you just don't know it. And that We're is. Skyping in. <laughs> and, and, and what is that? I'll let Wayne do it, because Wayne's about to explode. Oh, I am. Avenging Spider-Man number 19. The uh, the preview for it has Sleepwalker on the cover. Yes! <laughs> I haven't been so excited about a cover in in years. I literally did a double take. I'm like, are, are you fucking kidding me? I'm so happy. So we won't we won't be talking about that one on the show. Fuck <laughs> you. It'll only be the second issue of Avenging Spider-Man I've bought so far, but I can't wait. I gotta tell you, I have enjoyed Avenging Spider-Man just as much, if not more, than Superior Spider-Man since the um, since the start of the Superior stuff. It has been a really, really good book. Yeah, there's just going to be a bunch of fanboys squealing when we talk about that book. I just have a feeling it could be a piece of crap, and I won't even care. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> so, Wayne. Yes? Wayne has been talking about this new Valiant universe for a while now and how much he's loved it. And he's picking them up in print, even though we get the, the free press copies, um, because he's enjoying the universe that much. So this week, they started their first big crossover, Harbinger Wars. Um, Harbinger Wars number one came out this week, um, which was basically, I guess, the the prelude or the start of this big crossover arc. And I decided to give it a give it a, a read because typically first issues of crossovers are written in such a way as to explain the universe to get you into it because they, they figure people will be hopping on board you know, for this storyline. You know, that aren't typically readers, so they want to get them up to speed. They did very little of that in this. They did very little of that. I, I, I was, you know, this is like someone who hasn't read comics or who's never read a DC comic picking up Infinite Crisis. That, that, that's how I felt about this. I, I started reading it and I'm like, I don't know what the shit's going on. <laughs> yeah, when you said you were getting Harbinger Wars this week, it kind of surprised me because you hadn't been reading any of this stuff up until now. And reading through it, I know the whole backstories that led to all of this, but I have to say, I uh, as much as I love Harbinger, and I'm loving Exo, and I love Archer and Armstrong, this wasn't... It didn't seem up to par with what I'm seeing in the other books. The first issue of the crossover was kind of meh. Yeah, it was just... I mean, I, I will say the art, I enjoyed the art, and I didn't dislike the book. I, I, I should clarify, I did not dislike the book. 
I didn't understand it. <laughs> yeah, and I could get that. As I was reading through, I kept thinking, man, Paul said he's going to read this. He's going to have no clue what's going on. No, And, and you know, I know, there's probably only about 20 comic books that I would have to read to actually get up to speed. You know, because I think that the books are only – the oldest book in the Valiant Universe is probably only at issue nine. So, I mean, I would have to – I don't even think – and Exo Manowar doesn't even seem like he's part of this. I'd only have to read Bloodshot and Harbinger. And honestly, you can skip Bloodshot because almost everything you need to know about Bloodshot, you did get in here. Yeah, so – but that being said, it wasn't enough to draw me in to make me want to read those books. Um, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't – you know, if it was new reader-friendly, I, I – you know – it would probably draw me into the universe more, but it just it didn't really strike me. And I will tell you, when I when I started reading about it and stuff, I started looking at the trades because you can get the trades for less than ten bucks on, yeah, on most of these new Valiant books. I very much, I highly recommend the trades for Harbinger, EXO, and Archer and Armstrong when its trade comes out. Those are the three best books that Valiant is producing right now, and each of those are great. The rest of the Valiant universe, you can skip. Yeah, but I will say after reading this, the only trade that I might pick up is the classic. They have a, they released a Ninjak classic trade featuring the Joe Casada run. I might pick that up, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, this just didn't draw me in. Um, again, it's not bad, and maybe you know, as someone who reads the Valiant universe, you can say whether you enjoyed the book or not. Um, you know, for people who actually read the Valiant books, but as someone who who tried it as a stepping stone into that universe, outside of EXO, because I have read EXO, um, I, it didn't grab me. Yeah, I didn't dislike the book, but there was too much exposition, and it seemed a little slow pacing-wise, and just, it was, like I said, I saw it as more meh. It didn't grab me at all, but I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, the repercussions of this in the regular series. But yeah, I, I would kind of agree that it's it's definitely wasn't a new reader friendly issue. You have to know the characters to know what's going on and why any of this is relevant. Yeah. What so, did you think of the? Did you get the Quantum and Woody sneak preview at the end? No, I read it. I didn't think much of it. I never read Quantum and Woody back in the day. I know it was incredibly popular, but I don't. I have no frame of reference for it. I will yeah. probably give the first issue a shot just because. Why wouldn't I? I've given everything Valiant a shot. But it reads very much, the impression I got is that it very much reads like a Booster Gold Blue Beetle team-up book. I mean, it looks like it looks like one to me. That's what that's what it struck me as. Even some of the character designs seemed very much like a, you know, team blue and gold. But I don't know, I, I, I didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily care for the book. And knowing that the way the crossover works is that it's crossing over into the books, it's there's not a specific Harbinger Wars series that's the only thing you have to read. I think I'm out. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I'm I'm on board because I'm reading Harbinger anyway. So I'm you know, I would be missing parts of the story if I didn't. Yeah. Eh, but shame. I understand that. I definitely like I said, I highly recommend the the trades for Archer and Armstrong, Harbinger and Exo. So usually, so usually when Paul's here, we ask him what's what's available next week. So Aaron, what's coming out next week? Well, I'll have to delegate that response to my good friend Paul. Ooh, it's a good thing oh, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of crossovers, next week Age of Ultron number five comes out, which I think may be the last issue done by Brian Hitch. Um, Could just be the last issue, period. No, it's five of ten. Damn, nice try though. And the only thing saving the series is how quickly it's coming out. Yeah. I would be ranting if it wasn't. 
Also next week is Avenging Spider-Man number 19, which we just talked about. <laughs> um, if you're interested and haven't been reading Fantastic Four from Marvel Now, the first trade paperback comes out next week of the uh, Matt Fraction run. Fearless Defenders number three. We've been enjoying that series quite a bit. Comes out next week. If you don't have the Rocket Raccoon hardcover, uh, Marvel is releasing a brand new Rocket Raccoon, Rocket Raccoon and Groot complete collection trade paperback next week. Very exciting. Um, Thor, God of Thunder number seven comes out next week, as well as Uncanny Avengers number four. Um, from DC Comics, you've got Batman number 19 and Batman and Red Robin number 19. Uh, also, if you haven't been reading Batman Lil Gotham, in digital, the first print edition of Batman Little Gotham comes out next week. Batman Little Gotham number one. So, Tim, are you going to pick up Batman and Robin? The uh, or Batman and yep. Red Robin? Yep. The first incontinuity appearance of uh, Carrie Kelly. <sighs> <laughs> you had to go that far with it, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, I sure am. <laughs> so, like I said, Star Wars number four from Dark Horse comes out next week. I'll be picking that one up. Now, Aaron. Sir. Will you be picking up X number zero from Dark Horse next week? Yes. Okay. Then I will probably pick up X number zero, written by Dwayne Straczynski and art by Eric Nguyen. Now, wait. If you're picking it up, does that mean that there's a digital code up for grabs and I don't actually have to pay for this? I do not know. It does not say anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) The only Dark Horse book that I've purchased that had that was Star Wars. Okay. Um. The final issue of Star Trek Countdown to Darkness comes out next week, Yeah, as does the trade paperback. So if you haven't been reading it, you can just pick up the trade paperback. And uh, Aaron, I don't know if you knew this, but after the movie in the Star Trek ongoing, they're doing a Star Trek After Darkness sequel to the movie. Oh, cool. I yeah. did not know that. And then, you know, for uh, for those of you who enjoy such things, the theatrical release of Best of Both Worlds as a feature is coming up at the end of the month. I got my tickets. Do you? Are you going to see it in the theater? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. I'm not hell sure I'm going to. Well, you already pre-ordered the D- the Blu-ray. I do. I do. I've got the Blu-ray on order. So. Hey, hey, Paul, hey, Paul. Yes, sir. We haven't announced Project R on this podcast. Ira. Project Ira. Oh, that's a, that is a very good point. So if you haven't been following us on Twitter or Facebook, you may not know. But this week, um, we went live with www.rainsboro.com. Uh, I'll spell that real quick. www.reignsboroughgh.com. And rainsboro.com is, even though new episodes will still come out on the Ideology of Madness feed um, once we start season two here uh, very shortly, we are restarting from the very beginning at rainsboro.com, starting with season zero, the very first sandboxing episodes. yeah, at rainsboro.com. So you can start listening to the beginning from uh, uh, Two Nights of Rainsboro. Also on the site in the coming weeks, once we get to those spots in the program, because I don't want to release some of the stuff too early, you're going to get things like character sheets, um, art from Jake Ekis, uh, and, and other other goodies. And they'll all, you know, desktop wallpapers and all that. It'll kind of be your central hub for all the goodness from Knights of Rainsboro. And um, if you don't know what Knights of Rainsboro is, Aaron, do you want to give it a shot? Sure. It is our role-playing actual play of uh, a setting that we created and the characters that we created. Um, It is edited 
almost more like a radio drama. We, t- we try to remove a lot of the rules speak. Some of it's still there. There's still dice mechanics. Uh, but uh, it, it is very trimmed down so that you're getting more story and action than you are uh, process and system. You know, we're not trying to teach a system uh, more than we are trying to tell a fun story, as well as kind of talk about uh, how you sandbox a setting, how you create a world uh, cooperatively. So. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's funny because I, I started re-listening. You know, when, once I started creating the site, as I dropped the new episodes or the original episodes, I started re-listening, and it's funny the stuff that we were um, inspired by in creating the Rainsboro universe. Um, there's a lot of brightest day flash, some shadow land in there. Um, you know, the characters that we, we chose, you could tell what, what we were reading at the time. And uh, it, it's, it's a really, really interesting. Listen, um, the sandboxing episodes are definitely a good place. Cause you actually hear us start from nothing and create the entire universe and all the characters we're going to play as. And uh, I, 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 it's just a really great, great listen, I think. Plus the classic voice of Jonathan Landreth. Yes, Jonathan <laughs> Landreth is on there at the beginning. So. The only place you hear that coming out. <laughs> so Rainsboro.com, um, or if you are an iTunes subscriber, check out, um, just do a search for Knights of Rainsboro or Rainsboro, and the episodes are uh, dropping. At this point, you know, Season 0 will drop weekly every Sunday, new episodes, and the first two episodes are already on there. So, give it a listen. Very good. Alright, guys. Y'all have a good week. Uh, Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mikey Mason, your wandering uh, geek comic, and I'm on the road in Virginia today. Uh, I could legally drink a beer right now, being on I-95, because technically I'm not driving. Uh, it's a parking lot. Anyway, I'm calling on you with your once-in-a-blue-moon Paul mom, Paul's mom joke that I've been woefully negligent in. What's the difference between a joke and three dicks? Paul's mom can't take a joke. Hey, I'll see you guys later. You may not want to air that one. Bye.